0: Lewis, thank you for jumping on the show today. You are uh, actually guest number two on season two of Life Unscripted. So welcome. Awesome. Thank you for having me. So Lewis is coming from uh, down under in Australia. Lewis, why don't you give me a, the audience a little bit of info about
1: this court short little snippet about uh, what you do right now? What I do right now, golly gosh. I mean, uh, I spend the majority of my waking hours in some form of teaching. And so what I'm most known for is uh, starting a company called Infinite Prosperity. And that company is, is, is a pretty broad look at finances, but specifically we focus on Forex trading, speculative Forex trading. I mean, that's what the, the bulk of it is. But on top of just that, I mean, cause that is just one specific niche, one specific sort of financial approach, but we give sort of a, a pretty broad picture of finance. It's coming from the mindset, the, uh, the, the language that you use, the people you're hanging around, the social influences. We do goal setting. Um, we do, you know, um, yeah, affirmation. We come from, the, from, the, from, a, from a holistic approach, I guess you could say, drilling into then the, the nitty gritty. And so we founded that, we launched that to the public in 2012, myself and a business partner, Amy. She, she lives in uh, Florida. And, nice. uh, we, we, we grew up, we went to high school together actually. And that's where that's how I know her from. So she's a Brisbane girl. Uh, just like me, but um, but she moved over in 2012. And so we've run the whole thing since then from across opposite corners of the planet.
0: Awesome. And I want to totally get more into that with you, but where I love if you'd be willing to take us right now is just talk about what were you doing before Infinite Prosperity? What was life like before? <laughs> and kind of lead us into Infinite Prosperity through the before.
1: Where do you want to start from?
0: <laughs> just give me, you know five years prior before infinite prosperity
1: (laughs) okay well i think that to be fair i mean it it does the story does lend itself to going back a little further just because i was uh, i had a relatively normal childhood up until about nine and nine i was nine when i did my first stock investment and so dad we had a in here in australia we have a a common popular brokerage called comsec uh, commonwealth securities and he opened an account for me and it was in his name, but it was sort of, you know, my account sort of thing. And so I saved I saved all my birthday and Christmas money. And it took me probably a couple of years. I think I started when I was about seven. And, put, and I got $500. I got 400 I had $483 uh, when I was nine. I did my first stock trade. Now, th- there was a minimum 500 So he had to top me up so I could get over the $500 sort of minimum. But uh, my first stock trade was nine. And I, it was Telstra Stocks, which is our big telecoms company here. And uh, that, so that's when sort of things shifted to me. I, I went down that path and because, you know, when I got home from school, I would log on to my ComSec account here and I'd, I'd try to make sense of all the reports and I'd be, I'd be looking at the chart and seeing what was going on. And that, it was, it wasn't that the trade that did anything for me. I ended up losing money on that trade, which I joke about. Funny, it's funny, funny story to my students. I lost money on that damn trade, but the trade itself got my, got my foot in the door. I had meat in the game. And so I got really interested in it. And then through teen years, through high school, I was I got into trading, and then 18 I found forex. Now, that's uh, now to do forex trading at a at a decent level, you need some capital, and I didn't have enough at the time. I did pretty, I was doing okay for for a 17, 18 year old, but I still needed to buy time. So what I did was I after high school, I had an eBay business during high school. So after the the one year after high school, I was literally boozing, partying, doing all the thing you know you do when you're 17, 18. And that, but I was living off eBay at that time, and so I was making between thousand, thousand, fifteen hundred a week, that kind of thing, and it was enough that I could do what I wanted to. So I was just doing the pajama lifestyle kind of thing, still living at home with mum and dad. Mm -hmm. And but you know, by the end of that year, I I I realized I can't keep doing this forever. I got to do something different. And so and and so uh, around about that time, I found Forex. I was I was doing some trading, but I needed to. I still needed to buy time. So I did a four-year electrical apprenticeship. So I'm actually a qualified electrician, but uh, actually, you know what? I think last year my license lapsed. So did maybe you, I'm not I'm not officially one anymore. But I did I did complete the apprenticeship. Yeah.
0: Did you ever have a job as an electrician?
1: I had four-year apprenticeship. Yeah, and so I was the you know the bottom of the rung in the in that in that real world. And so starting at the first year, I was uh, we we made first year six dollars twenty-eight an hour at that time. And it was, it was some tough work. It was, you know, you got pushed around a little bit on site, really gosh.
0: So was that, so you're doing the forex. you get into the apprenticeship. So lead us yeah. through
1: after, what's, what happens during this apprenticeship that makes you want to make a change? Look, the first time I did, so, so I coming off that year of eBay, working at home, being in the pajamas, just living, like doing, doing the partying thing. saying, that was, uh, you know, that was fun at the time. And so, going to work that first that first week of doing the apprenticeship, showing up, we did the hours we worked were six in the morning, six till two, which in hindsight were amazing hours for building an empire. So, by the way, I I a lot of to, to my students I say if you can get something that gives you really favorable hours, you get in early, you get home early, and then you build work on the empire. You know, yeah. that was perfect for me. I, I sometimes think these, some people doing like nine to five. Um, you know, certain times of the year, they leave in the dark, home in the dark, they get home when it's dark, they're drained by the end of the day, to, you know, to, to, to master enough energy to put into something to get you out of the job. I think that would be more challenging relative to the, you know, where I was positioned six till two. But anyway, the first week, man, of doing that, I think we brought, I think I brought home what $280 for the week. And it was brutal. It was brutal, man. It was, you know, when you're an apprentice, the, the tradesman. And rightly so they push you around and that, you know, it's, it was bad. I thought, man, I need to get out of here. I lasted three weeks at the first job and I started, I looked on seek. So seek in Australia is our, like our job finding thing. I wanted a different job. I wanted out, And, um, and so I did, I, I found one man and I went and did an interview and this thing. And as it turned out, I got there and it was this dodgy old thing doing door to door sales. And we went to someone's door. And I, no, nah, this is even worse. And that that was probably the, the time at the, at that first part of my apprenticeship where I was like, this is not going so well. I need yeah. to I need to make a big shift here. And I was I was doing trading, but I didn't have enough to live off it, of course. And so at that point, it was the it was the it was the confusion of I'm not satisfied with this path. I don't want to do that. I've been there. It didn't work out. I mean, I couldn't do I couldn't I couldn't do the eBay drinking all day for for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And it was just sort of, where do I go? And so I just, in that time, I made the, just, I just committed, I'm doing trading. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do my apprenticeship because the, you know, it's pretty, pretty cruisy. I'm going to do the apprenticeship. I'm going to trade in the morning. I'm going to trade in the afternoon when I get home from work. I'm going to go hard for four years and then I'm out. And so it was, it was in that, it was in the first six months of my first year, probably in the first three months, actually, of my first year of the four-year apprenticeship, that I made that commitment. It was that, it was that thing that I, that's what I'm doing. And so I did it. And so that was my whole thing that I, st- I didn't go out drinking or anything. It was wake up early, do the trades, go to work, come home, do the trades. And that was it. That's all I did for four years pretty much.
0: And so where did that after the four years, where during that
1: four years, were you building infinite prosperity? No, that was, I was completely trading. That infinite, trading. Prosperity didn't, infinite prosperity didn't exist until after I quit.
0: Okay. So you quit, so, you quit the apprenticeship. And yep. then, leave. so what happens next? Where, when does infinite prosperity become a uh, spark in a mind of creation?
1: Yes. So, infinite prosperity is probably in the four, so in the fourth year of my apprenticeship, I had about six. It was about the six months to go, and at that point, because I do a lot of um, projections, and you know, and particularly with trading, because it's all numbers and math, you, it's easy to do what was my results here in the last six months, project it forward. and You can see where you're going to be you know, with a you know with a little margin of error, and. As I projected forward, I, I was just on track. It was gonna be a push to quit after it, but I was just on track. But anyway, during that time I met, well, I didn't meet Amy, but she sort of get it, started to notice what I was up to and I wasn't coming out anymore and that kind of thing. And so she was going through some her, some of her own challenges in life and she wanted to do something different. And so she started every now and then coming over to my place in the afternoon. And so I taught her to trade in that in the last six months of my apprenticeship. And that's all it was at the time. It was just a friend looking to trade. I thought she was pretty hot at the time. I thought that's pretty cool. If I can, you know, if some chick like this right. wants to learn, I'll, I will teach her. And so I Up started-
0: and money. There you go.
1: <laughs> exactly right. And so I started teaching her that and she did really, really well. And so in that last six months, it was really, my shifting was just, no, there was not much energy in the, in the job. And I told my boss, I told my boss, I'm quitting at the end. I'm retiring. I, I called it retiring back then. I'm going to retire and uh which is a funny word and um and so I told everyone that I'm I'm going to quit and then it was just I mean all my all my energy was on FX and then Amy started to come online and so I quit and then we you know, did our celebration and then that next year I, I don't I, f- I forget the timeline of when she quit but it was it was a similar timeline there wasn't too much of a overlap I forget which way it was uh, after Oscar but um it was a, it, that year after it was just her and I. And so, and it was just her and I trading. We set up a little office in her place. And so she mm-hmm. had three screens on this side and I had my three screens on that side. And we would just, we would, we would day trade. That's all, that's pretty much all we did. So you guys just started day trading. Yep. And then yep. you guys came together and decided, okay, let's build, let's start teaching others how to do this. Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, we got the attention for other people, other people started coming in. And so one night there, we had maybe eight or 10 people in the, in the office and we were, they were just watching us and they were interested and they were curious. And so what we would do is we get a little pad and we say, okay, go, you know, go home and do this. We do a little homework for them. And we say, you know, go to this site, download this program, you know what I mean? And then, um, we'll, e- you know, we'll email you this chart layout, upload it to the, you know, it would be the little dot point steps and so we started teaching not you know just casually to friends and then you know I guess the time came when we we're thinking you know what we should package everything that we know because we've been doing this you know we, we've been doing this we've got a lot to we've got we got a lot to, sometimes you know what I just in general what I find is that sometimes we know more than what we realize mm-hmm. and so at the time we we're like ah, oh, we don't know enough you know we you know it's it's a, I guess what it is is a subordination to the other teachers who we are uh, comparing ourselves to and the other people who we look up to. But when we really broke it down, when Amy, when Amy and I broke it down of what we actually knew and we put it into like 10 s- separate areas of what we had to teach these guys, you know, starting with the basics, starting with the psychology part of it, starting with risk management, the technical part of it, the software side of it. You know, when we put it down and then we did the subsections of each module or lesson as we call it, mm-hmm. we, ha- we, we wrote it down we out. we're like, we have a lot here like this is a, like a significant program. And so we started putting it together. And so we got to it, we, and, and the name, we come up with it, we were like, what are we gonna call this name? And so I did a I did a program, uh, geez, probably 13, 14 years old, and it was called Unlimited Prosperity. I'm like, I really li- I really like the name Prosperity. And then she's like, hello. And she said, I really like the name Infinite, and boom, done. So we come up with the name in a really short period of time. We made the logo, we bought the, all the websites and it was on we just started and we did we did that thing i don't know like a lot of people do we, we went and printed business cards and all that kind of thing which is not something i really would do now but but back then it was like a thing with the business cards
0: okay so it's from 2012 that started into now where where has it gone in the last six years would you from the vision of that of just six years ago to how big it's grown now
1: Well, we launched the whole thing on a $50 Joomla template. And so we didn't know, we didn't do, we didn't know anything about web design, web, create anything web development, all the thing. And we had, wanted to create this course, you know, which had a checkout and then they had a login and all this thing. We didn't know anything. So we just got this template. It was like a course template and it was 50 bucks and it was on a, it was on Joomla, the the content management system. And we just put all of it on there and it was just, yeah, I mean, it just came together. Flawlessly. To be fair, it took us. It took us from that moment that I mentioned before. It took us 18 months before launch day, but took quite a while. And a lot of that time actually was was with the financial licensing, because when we when we were looking to push to get to launch this thing, we realised that we need financial licensing for it. And so there are a lot of sort of uh, cowboys out there who are teaching it without that, and they get away with it for a little bit. But eventually, you know, it's not it's not sustainable. So it took us six months to go and get the formal qualifications and the accreditations. And so we have a, we, re, we represent an Australian financial services license to, to do the teaching. And so that took a little bit of a while too, but so we launched the thing. It, it you know, it was a, it was a, a launch that we probably spent less than $500 on cash on. We exclude the licensing, the website, you know, the, the technical component, $500 launch or less. And it just went wild. You know, it was just, I, yeah, it just took off. So, um, it it just grew from word of mouth mainly. We didn't know anything about marketing at that time, but really in the early stages, what really helped was Amy moving to America, and she moved in with her boyfriend at that at that time, Robert Hemler, who was big on YouTube, and mm-hmm. then she bought a Lamborghini, and that was a, it was an old um, Galato, two thousand four Galato. But she she put this video together, and it was one of the maybe one of the first of its kind that they're really oversaturated now but back then it was called 22 year old girl buys a lamborghini have you seen that one i have and that i mean that video i think it's had 10 million views so at that early stage that's the video that put us on the map and so all of the marketing came from that one video we didn't know how to do you know we we weren't big on social no one knew who we were no one we didn't do facebook ads or anything like that it was just all from that one video
0: but that put us on the
1: map how many years
0: of training was that up for that moment to uh, come to fruition? So people just don't get some idea like this happens overnight.
1: You mean the,
0: you mean the, oh, yeah, sorry. What, 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 yeah. So Amy to be able to even get that Lamborghini.
1: Oh, that, I mean, that was a, that was a hundred thousand dollar car. Yeah. So at that time she was trading in the order of two, $300,000 on her trading side. And mm-hmm. so she did, we, we, so we, we teach something called capital partitioning. And it's something that you can do in Forex if, because it's a, highly, it's a high leverage market. And so we trade 100 to 1 leverage. So, for example, if you have a 300 grand in the account, you, you can pull a lot of it out and still take the same size trades because there's so much leverage. You don't need to engage all of your capital. And so we do capital petitioning. It's a way of diversifying and actually risk managing. But she, Instead of doing the uh, diversification approach, she took 100 out and put it into the Lambo. And she still traded the same. It made no impact to her trading side. But then she bought the she bought the thing, and that was. And she, she made money on that because Rob was a, he was in the car scene, so he knew how to buy these things. And so we have a whole lesson on actually how to exploit the uh, the car depreciation schedule and how to exploit um, capital petitioning to go and do things like that. If you're interested in that, um, but uh, but it wasn't. I mean, a lot of people thought like, oh, you know, she must have made all these millions. Not necessarily. I mean, it's just. It, to buy this stuff you don't need to we have a thing you don't need to be a millionaire to live like what in, in fact a lot of people who look really flashy on social you, you know you probably know them a lot of them who look flashy aren't even doing that well yeah. and and so the, you know they're doing okay they have to be doing something but not necessarily that well um yeah a lot of them are pretend to spend it, as, as grant cardone says and so i yeah we, it's important to keep that keep that shit grounded too because I've seen a lot of people come and go that way they go and you know start making a little bit of income and then they go and blow it all um, by leveraging up a lot and so I, I, I you know I, I promote um, keeping track of your DTI your debt to income ratio and below 10 is what I call masterful and mm-hmm. 20 below 20 is pretty good but anything beyond that I mean you're, you're 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 spending too much of what you make to have a to have a lifestyle usually is what people do
0: and that's what I want, I want to chat with because you got a pretty good mind when it comes to uh, the work, and but also you live a good great lifestyle. So yes. you just you just touched on it with fucking people, and I, I won't name any here, but there's definitely I know some who just promote the flashy lifestyle without even giving you any tangible uh, reality grounded shit in order to how to achieve it and how to keep it. So let's yeah. talk about that. I know that's one of your specialties. I'd love to hear more about your, your lifestyle design.
1: <laughs> lifestyle design. Well, a, uh, the first thing I, I have six, I, I teach six rules of lifestyle design. And so, you know, uh, to, to, to name a few, I, I mentioned one before, DTI is really important because if you go and, you know, a lot of people go and start these Amazon businesses, these drop shipping businesses, a lot of our guys are doing trading and, if you're used to making 50 grand a year, you can go to making 200 grand a year sometimes. And if, you know, if they're not really, if they did it sort of quick and they're not aware that there's maybe a sustainability issue with it going long term in some of these business models, there's sustainability issues. Mm-hmm. And um, and if you go and you know, if you go and make that much, you can just go and get a loan and, and get these things. And you can just leverage up. So so my, my rule on that is is keep it below 20% DTI at all times. You know, like a bank, when you go and get a mortgage at a, you know, banks start at about the, they call it the 36%. So if you make, let's just say $10,000 a month, if you have a, uh, like a, if you want to get a home loan that's going to cost you $3,600 a month, which is you know 36% of your income, that, that's when they start to be like, you're having a serviceability issue. So mm-hmm. the banks know that it's 36%. My thing is a little bit more even conservative. I prefer twenty percent or less, ten percent. You know, right now where I'm at, I'm well below ten percent, just because I prefer to have a lot of liquidity. I prefer to have a lot of options. You know, some of these guys, I've seen a lot of them come and go. They buy the buy the Ferrari, buy the Lambo, and it's great for that first three to four months. Then they have a bit of a decline in the business, which is normal. There's you know there's there's volatilities in the business, but -hmm. they didn't think that that would ever happen, and now with you know factoring for the decline. They're really strapped. And I see these guys end up, they, become, they, they started because they were really infatuated with this supercar is going to do all this thing for their life. Then they end up resenting the thing. And they go, God, why did I buy this thing? And they want to get rid of it and they can't get rid of it. And so the, the, the infatuation turns to resentment. Yep. So I, I just, I, I, my thing is just keep it really grounded, build in a lot of buffer. I, I promote a lot of cash buffers. Um, and so more, more than what most people do actually. A lot of what's cash, your, buffers. Uh, what's your of, cash yeah. buffer? What do you like? Six, nine months, a year. I, I say to people three months is the start do three. Yeah. So if you, and three months based on your expenses. So if your expenses are 4k a week, 4,000 or 4,000 a month, sorry, mm-hmm. or 1,000 a week, it's about normal 4,000 a month. I would multiply by three and say 12,000 cash buffer. Just get that 12 before you go in and looking to invest, trade, speculate, all that kind of thing. So three months and that's a minimum. Personally at the moment I'm well over twelve, but I'm I'm storing that's not invested cash. But that that's because I'm storing. We're in a high market right now, so I'm storing more than than pushing into the market right now. But I'm still doing both, but I'm I'm more cash heavy at the moment. I'm more than twelve. I think three is minimum. Six is sort of getting to ideal. And then if you've got a lot of moving parts, team, staff, companies, families get to get closer to, to, to the twelve. But then the rest on, you know, then you start investing, investing, investing.
0: Talk about what that, what's that done for your own business as you start to create that liquidity and have that cushion? What's that, what, what does that do
1: for an entrepreneur, for
0: an individual? That yeah. It, in your life?
1: It's, you know what? What I see, the biggest thing is I'm seeing a lot of people when they go and launch a product or start a business, a lot of them are what I would say tilting toward the narcissism side. And they think they're coming from the point of view of, how can I make the money? How can I get the rich? How can I, you know, how, me, me, me. And I'm you going know, how can I slap some shit together, bang on some uh, Facebook ads and make a bunch of cash. And there's a time and a place for that. And the type of people who are attracted to that, it's that part of their thing too. So it's not mm-hmm. an issue. However, um, I'm seeing that what's really coming, what's really coming to the forefront now is this is, is transparency and client centric business, you know, Pe- the people who are making crappy products like this because they need to, because they haven't got that liquidity, are end up pushing out crap products that do, that. It's, it's, you know, they're promoting flash, not fire, and it's coming and going. I see so many, I've seen so many people in the last, you know, eight years since we've been doing what we've been doing, mm-hmm. I've seen so many people come, they've exceeded us, they've just blown us out of the water, then they've dropped. And I, and, and it's, I couldn't tell you how many, just come and go, come and go. But when you focus, when you when you're not so much focused on you making the money, you and you have because you've built the liquidity, you built the security, and you've got it there, you can pull more into okay, what what's really going to help the people long term, and in doing that, you you'll help yourself long term as well. So I I, that's another thing that I promote a big one is balancing the altruism and narcissism, not just doing not just doing something because it's going to sell or it's going to be the big money maker. Because those things come and go, but if you can focus on packaging something that's really long-term stuff, that's timeless stuff, that's going to serve the people for a long time, your your own rewards are going to be uh, more timeless as well.
0: So, what's the impact you've seen in your own life? Because you, if you know people who follow you and see your lifestyle, like, oh, well, he's got a fucking great lifestyle. To some people, he's made it, right? Of whatever that means. But yeah. they strive to achieve to have the cars to have the have the views and things like that but what's the you know once you get that you want the other side I want the other there reason, is another one, side right once you get that but something more of what i'm hearing is more of a heartfelt service it's more of service cuz you love it right cuz just cuz you get the lifestyle the what is that what does that mean as someone who's um, not,
1: experienced to the level I mean, you're much. at you acclimatize to it very quick like you go into, you know, you go into the, you, I don't know, if you guys have perfume stores? Oh, yeah. You know, they sell perfumes, perfumes and colognes and shit. Uh-huh. When you go in there, I don't know if you guys are the same. But in our stores here, you go in, it's, it's being hit in the face. with like, oh, God, that's smelly. It's really smelly. But you go and walk around there for a minute and you don't smell it anymore. You get acclimatized. It's the same thing with all the stuff. So you go and upgrade the house, the car, all the thing. It's amazing. And then you get used to it. It's the norm. So, you know, I... I've 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 had times back when I was an apprentice. I drove this crappy old Toyota Corolla to work, and it was an 88, eighty-eight Corolla. It was an absolute piece of crap. And here I am, man. On the I didn't have a CD player, so I had like my phone with headphones in, listening to audio tapes and stuff like this. And so I was here visualizing and thinking and thinking. It's a Ferrari. Or at that time, my next my next big goal was a BMW M3. That's really what I wanted. And so I'm thinking here. Thinking it's an M3 and trying to hear it and trying to feel it and the leather, you know what I mean? And you know, feeling like I'm in it. And, you know, when I get to work, I'm like, wow, that felt amazing. Now, to contrast that, I've had times, no shit, here in the morning, and I'm driving the breakfast, literally in the Lamborghini, and I've been, my mind wasn't there. It was elsewhere. It was stressed about something that's happening, some shit that's come up. And so I'm, you know, angry, resentful. Have, so there's a fear complex there, not present. And if I were to compare the two experiences, I'd take the, I'd take the Corolla one. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was that's, that was a better feeling. So there's, it's both. <laughs> and some people, when I say that, they're like, "Oh, you're so ungrateful." It, you know, it, it's, it happens to everyone. I mean, there's times and there's other times, obviously, that I'm really like inspired and present driving, you know, driving mm-hmm. the Lambo or something like that, and that's amazing too. But there's both.
0: So what, what's uh, one of the key components for someone who wants to uh,
1: leverage up to the next lifestyle that you would recommend? So the next. For, okay, when it comes to leveraging up lifestyle, the biggest thing is mobile income. That's what I have found. So it's not passive. A lot of people have this passive income myth and mm-hmm. they're chasing passive income because in their mind, passive income means I don't have to do anything and it's just, you know, this money's falling out of the sky. That's... That happens. There is such thing as passive income, but to get to passive income, to do some kind of passive investment, you first need to bank some cash. And so the best way to do the banking the cash is to start a business, start a service-based business, sell a product or a service, solve a need, solve a problem. Something that you are good at, something that you're inspired by, something that you have a true service, a unique point of difference. That's the first thing. Now, within that, my, my personal philosophy is to go mobile. And so on. that means online. And so what I teach, what I teach those guys is, uh, online timeless, spaceless income, low cost, lean, green profit machine, I call it. And so I have a, I have a four product empire model that I do and it's four products that I suggest people set up, which is a free offer, which is some kind of lead magnet that provides value to let people know what you do and who you are and how you could help them free offer, then a core offer, then a high ticket offer, and then a subscription model. And I found that with these four. Online, with you know, you don't have to need you don't even need team and staff at the start. I mean, you can you can make a pretty cool lifestyle with those things. Um, and so that's the first thing I think of mo- mobile income, um, so that you don't have to show up at some place, that you don't have to start some. And a lot of people have this idea: I'm going to start a restaurant, or I'm going to start. You know, I, I want to. In my Sparky friends, a lot of them say I'm going to go and start a electrical business, buy all these Utes, and you know, get you know. Yeah. Ah, got. I don't know about that. I, I think that there's more efficient ways to solve more problems for more, bigger problems for more people. And it's in my, in my journey, it's been through the internet and that's what I've seen people doing. So make a good online product for the people and, uh, and get it to the people.
0: Awesome. So for those of you who don't know Lewis, uh, he's a pretty um, dedicated learner. So I want to tap into that a little bit about how important is the, um, the learning, the investing into your brain uh, when it comes to continuing to develop your business as well. How how important has the learning been on for you personally?
1: I mean that it's everything. If there would be no, there would be none of um, my achievements at this level without starting with the learning. So, you know, I, I heard Warren Buffett say the other day, actually, he said the best, he said the best investment that you can make is an investment in yourself. Now, from from my from the investing world, you know, if you're doing 10% per year as a hundred year average, that's pretty good. You know, I say ten percent per year is pretty good. So if you got a grand and you go and put it in and do a pretty good investment, you're gonna get a hundred dollar return for that year. But if you get a thousand dollars and go and put it in something that's going to expand your skills or your knowledge or your awareness, and you can use those things to go and make something to go and make your income double. 50 grand 100 grand a year more in income well then you can put 100 you then you put $1000 into something that's giving a 50k return so you know w- you know when we're starting off i don't really suggest even even concerning yourself with you know what stock to buy a lot of people you know we, we see a lot of people with only $1000 or 5000 right at the start of their journey i don't even you're not ready to be doing stocks and property and all the thing yet Put it all into the mind. That's what I would, that's what I've done. That's what, that's what I see work the best for people. Hmm.
0: And how, how, you know, on a daily
1: basis, what are you putting into your education, your learning daily, weekly basis? I So with my personal account structure from, from a financial point of view, by the way, what I do is I have every, all the income that I make, I do my tax allocation first. And then what I have from the leftover, I have a savings allocation. I call that my soul account, my immortality account. The next one down is my mind's account, which I put into books, courses, masterminds, and mentorships. And then the third one is the body account. So do soul, mind, body. And then the body is the things like the food, the drink, the house, the clothes, the lifestyle. That's the that's you know more of the animalistic needs, the, the needs you need to survive. But the soul is the immortal wealth that will, that's the account, that's the wealth that you'll you know that's your legacy that will live beyond your life. The mind is the expansion account. And so that's for me, my mind is 10%. 10% of all my income, I allocate there. So I, you know, I let that sometimes go and then I'll go and do a, I'll go and do an impériance, or I'll go and do a prophecy or something like that. Or I'll do a, you know, I do audible subscriptions on the daily, audible books, um, audio books all the time. I, I collect, I do collect physical books as well, but I I have more time to go through the audios. So I use them probably more, but yeah, 10% of all my income I put into mind, books, courses, masterminds, mentorships. Mm-hmm.
0: What's your, uh, what's your take on, uh, an individual really discovering, you know, purpose and who they are. How how important do you think that plays a role into someone's success Uh, as an entrepreneur,
1: even someone who's in sales, uh, you know, has a high profile job? I I think that, you know, relative to mastery, which is what I say, purpose is the first point. That's the first thing. You're not going to really master something at a high level if it's not really, truly, deeply important to you. And so one of the things that again that I see a lot is kids thinking they they going to go and do this certain thing because their mom and dad want them to. I see that so so often. I don't know if you follow Gary Vee as well. Mhm. He talks about that a lot and he's he's very outspoken on that. And I, I tend to agree with his his thing. A lot of kids, even having seen Gary, even having followed some of the stuff that I teach and talk about, they still think, well oh, I still got to I still got to go and do this college degree because mom and dad want me to. And, you know, a lot of, you know, certain people, it could be a doctor. I got to be a doctor. If you're not, you know, if you're not inspired to go and do that healing and do that thing, you're never going to be a good doctor because your mind's not going to be there. You're going to be elsewhere. So definitely purpose. Purpose comes first. And you can, you know, I, I also say too, you can be successful in other things. That's not true for you, but you have success without fulfillment. And I think that's half, that's undercooked. So I think that some people have success without fulfillment. Other people have fulfillment without success and they end up sort of disempowered. Mm -hmm. But I think that like true mastery. You got to have both, do both. So I I promote both. Empower the soul, empower the senses is is the terminology that I use for it.
0: I love that. Can you talk about um, some of the challenges as you continue to grow and blossom? Uh, and g- expand your, not only your personal brand but also
1: infinite prosperity. Some of the challenges you run into as you expand. Some of the challenges that we have with IP is uh, is te- You know, the the big one's are te- team and people, dealing with the different emotions, the different agendas, the different di- the people dynamics. For me, that has been one of the one of the bigger challenges in IP. Uh, we have I mean we have thirteen people now on the on the core team and plus all the other sort of external contractors and all the other thing, but different people dynamics, that's always seems to be the most challenging because it can sometimes appear to be the most irrational and you don't know what to do. And, and so that has been the, the, the most challenging one probably. Um, then, then balancing the work and the home and the family is, you know, is, a, is a common one that comes up. Uh, and and we, we, you know I try to log these things so I can look for patterns. I like looking for patterns. And what I have found... And, and this is mirrored by some you know, other people who I've talked to about it. Sometimes when the business is going really good, the home and the relationship has a bit of a pullback. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, you know, sometimes when the business, the shit has hit the fan at work and that's really crabby, you're like, ah, oh God, you're down. And then the home and the family and the relationship comes in, you know, and it's kind of this teeter-tottering effect. And I've seen that to be quite, quite a consistent theme. And so it, that that just knowing that that's probably going to be the thing that happens is a, is a way actually to neutralise the emotion. Because I know that if when work's shitty, we're going to have a pretty good home life, and, and potentially vice versa to keep me to keep me centered and grounded.
0: So I guess that's where the uh, the soul immortality count comes into good play, is when you have that liquid cash.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, right. definitely. I mean, definitely. When you got liquid, you got options. When you got cash, you've got options. You know, some of the things I think about is like, you know, if if it really got to the point, which it hasn't, and I don't see it getting to that point, really got to the point where one particular thing I wanted to drop out, I could. i just drop it off, you know, ditch that business or sell it or, you know, palm it off to a partner or something like that. Um, But if, yeah, liquidity is definitely key. If you don't have it, you kind of have not a whole lot of options. So I think liquidity is options. Mm Mm-hmm. What's, uh, let's talk about
0: one of the more challenging experiences. Did you ever like run into something that's really challenging, didn't know how to process, didn't know what to do? Kind of one of those m- moments in life where it's like, fucking which road do I go down? <laughs>
1: um, probably, probably many. I mean, not, not at that level for a long time, but um, you know, if I were to think about the last major, big setback that I, that I thought was a setback at the time was, uh, was in writing IP. It was, it was about six months before we were to launch, launch the company. And Amy and I had a massive blow up. hum it was a, it was a, it was a great one. And, uh, and at that point after that, we were nearly, I was nearly going to walk. I was going to bail on the whole thing. And, um, I'm glad I didn't in hindsight, uh, but it was a tremendously challenging time. Now, as I look back on it, I saw it was, it was a great thing that that came up. But that, that, was a, that was a tough one because yeah, we, we got sort of entangled in this sort of relationship dynamic and the business dynamic. Things got a little bit murky, the borders there, and there was a massive explosion. Now, I learned a lot from that. And I was, you know, I was part, to, part to blame, she was part to blame, and so we both mm-hmm. had our roles in that. We both learned from it. What came of that was actually perfect. And so she, it was through that time that she decided to leave Brisbane, move to America, with her boyfriend her her then new boyfriend and that was uh, I mean if it wasn't for that I doubt we'd be here at least infinite prosperity wouldn't be at the level that it is so that was a That was a divine moment but at the time golly gosh I was that was fucked up at the time there was a it was yeah I haven't told that story publicly. I still don't know I, I'll get I'm happy to I, I would like to it's still half of Amy's story though and I haven't really got permission you know to share all of the details but it's a good one and I would love to share it. And the time will come when I when I'll take that public. That'll be funny. We'll do, maybe we'll do it together or something. It's a doozy. Nice. <laughs> but there was a 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 what it involved was me, drunk, running down a street with no shirt on in the middle of the night chasing a taxi. So it was it was a doozy. There was a homeless man. There was police. It was it was amazing. That sounds like a but fucking it's, epic epic it's cool story. Sto- <laughs> it's a cool story, and I would love to share it. But it's you know it's part of her um, thing as well. So it sounds like going. you
0: would have been one of my customers when I was, uh, slinging cocktails.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we were in another, I was in another country too. It wasn't even, a, I was in, um, Florida, I was in downtown Orlando when it, when it went down. See,
0: I used to bartend in Miami beach. So you weren't too far away. Nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so oh, let's, let's, let's dive into
0: now. I want to dive into some more of the, um, uh, the mindset stuff
1: mm.
0: and kind of like Lewis's routine. Like routine
1: for the
0: mindset well not routine but like what's a, kind of a daily agenda a daily thing you're working on for your mindset of like what, what's been a big component for you uh that you've seen some people are into affirmations other people into uh you know meditation breath work what's something for you that you've seen that's worked well for you that's grounding practical that works good for lewis
1: yeah, I don't have many sort of routines like that. I have done affirmations in the past and they seem to have been okay. I don't. I wouldn't say I, that I consistently do them now. One of the things that Robin and I do, because um, so I work with Robin, live with Robin, we're together, my partner, Robin, she, we're together literally 24 hours a day. And so one thing, you know, one thing that we do as maybe what you'd call a habit is we constantly are checking in with each other. You know, when, when one of us are up, you know we help to, we, we help to we help the other person to see, okay, what's happening here that we're not seeing? why are we up? If one of us are down, the other help, the other one uh, helps the other one up. And so usually what we do in our relationship because we're really closely entangled is when she's down, I tend to be more up. When I'm down, she tends to be more up. And so what, what, one of the habit that we always do is is um, is to look for that and to help you know whoever's up helps the other person to you know to see what they're not seeing. Mm -hmm. And that is probably, if I were to say something that we consistently do habitually, that's been one of the most effective things. And not to have this thing that we're, you know, we're, we're going to both be up at the same time or, you know, both, we never really seem to be down at the same time. Well, you know, it's always this kind of thing, which is good.
0: Have you seen that? Does that have an,
1: does that have an impact in uh,
0: your business as well? And being able to mitigate those? I mean, if you're in a relationship with someone 24 seven, that's fucking a lot. Yes, I mean, there's drawbacks. Yes,
1: there's drawbacks to that. (laughs) But it's but it's pretty good. You know what I I say I I never was really into relationships. You know, five six years ago, I thought that I was going to be more like Dan Bilzerian. I really thought that I was just hoping. (laughs) That was my that was my goal. You know, make I was going to make all this money, and I was going to be like Hugh Hefner, Dan Bilzerian, and just have all the girls. That's what that's really what I wanted, and yeah and so my my agendas have shifted a little bit Now when I see a relationship, I find it to be a quite an efficient way to get everything that you need in one unique in one specific package you know because we re, we, re, we ref, reflect friends, brother sister, son uh, you know uh, father daughter dynamic we have uh, we have all the different dynamics you know and it's a very efficient way to get it all. <laughs> Does that make sense or is that yes. is that too deep? <laughs> no that's great that's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, all right. If you're living and working together with someone, twenty four seven, she, she so she's a part of Infinite Prosperity, and you guys do some coaching
1: together as well, right? Teaching. Yes, she she works with Infinite Prosperity as well, and also she does her own. She has her own website. She does her own coaching, um, accountability. She does her own teaching, and also now with my new mastermind, I have a monthly mastermind now. She uh, helps out with that as well. So yeah, we're very entangled with our work and, and life.
0: <laughs> so, all right. So as a busy man, as you are, how important is to have personal Lewis time?
1: Um, I would say I do, and, you know, the way that I get that is uh, massage. I get a lot of massage. I get maybe, well, not a lot. I mean, I get three to four maybe sessions a week on average, I'd say. And often, it's often, it is like a foot massage. I love my reflexology. So I take here the laptop, And I have my favorite um, people, my favorite venue. And I go there, I take the earbuds, I do some music. And I do, um, what I tend to do is I just do some more lighthearted work there and get the rub. And I do love that time. And that's, I guess, yeah, I I don't think of it, I don't consciously think, oh, I need to get Lewis time or anything. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if I were to stop doing that, I might feel a void of, of exactly that. So I guess you could say that, yeah.
0: Let's talk about that work-life balance since you do own your own company, you work with, you have a, you know, a girlfriend you work with who also lives with you. What's this, what's your philosophy on the uh, work-life balance thing you hear from <laughs> fucking people? Do you believe it's even real?
1: Um, I think it just depends what's important to you. You know, I think when people say, oh, well, fa-, you know, I see a lot of people say family comes first. Maybe, but that's 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 their agendas, you know, that's Mm -hmm. their beliefs. That's not necessarily an objective factual truth. For me, like I said, was saying, like I was trying to say before, is I see my family a lot in Robin, in in my partner, a lot in my companies. You know, I I have sometimes in certain conversations, I have more of a like a parent-child dynamic with some of my students at times. And so I have family there. I have friends in the company. Um, I have friends as my students, and so my family is my work. You know, my family is my students, my my team, uh, my partner. So I have family. So family does come first. Maybe you'd say that, but I think what people try to sometimes project is your birth family or some you know some idea, some specific form of a family dynamic mm-hmm. comes first, which is just their maybe their their hopes and dreams and priorities.
0: Right. So how many? So on an average day, what's your de, What's your what's your time working on business? So to, in order Ooh, to a reach a reach a level where you're at, right? Yep. What's it gonna take? What what does it take okay. an individual to get okay so
1: up to that? Yep. So I would wake up. I would have to. It it varies from five through to seven. So let's call I like, average six, six 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 thirty wake up time. Yep. I generally wake up no alarm or anything it's just when i feel like waking up some mornings is later than others um then we will go to breakfast and then it's we talk about the day which is usually work and then it's home to work and so work 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 i will work last night for example i was working until 10. i was on the laptop here at 10 doing a exporting a video that were that i just uploaded for the for the guys for the team and it's filming working meetings things like this i do um one-on-one coaching here uh a lot, of, a lot of videos. A lot of my stuff is videos. What I have found, if I, if I were to analyze my time and put an hourly rate on all the tasks that I do, I have found, for me, that it's the time that I'm standing in front of a camera, usually with a flip chart, mm-hmm. and doing a lesson, filming, that's the time that is worth the most for me, because it's something that I will have. It's, it's, it's evergreen, high-value content that I can package or, or put in my, in my teachings and go and sell that for years and years and years. And so that's tens of thousands of dollars an hour for that, for the time that I'm actually doing that. So That's what I, that's what, if, you know, if we're talking about, you know, optimizing time, what I would do is all the tasks that you do, put an hourly rate next to it and prioritize. And so some of the tasks like some people don't maybe not quite aware is that when they're writing something or building a product, they're not making money from that at that time. But if the time that they're spending from doing that over a lifetime could pay tens of thousands an hour. And so do as much of that as you can. And just think long enough to know that it, it will, it's a delayed return kind of thing. Totally. I know yeah, you,
0: I know. I've seen, I've seen your videos and I think they're great. So do you edit all your own videos?
1: Yes, I do. And just because I love editing, I, it's one of the things that I love. One of my highest values is cameras. I got all my equipment here. Cameras, Editing, I just love it. I, when I'm editing, I'm in the zone. Hey, and I I like to put some um, some more, some like uh, graphics and music and try and stimulate the 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 imagination with music and you know slow mo scenery and stuff in a lot of my edits. Um, so I like to you know combine the logical teaching with more of the more emotional you know experience. Yeah, the I just watched one
0: of yours on the uh, the church. Did you actually yeah. go into that church and?
1: Film that? No, or God no, no fuck no, no no. That's just from um, VideoBlocks.com. That's a stock video, but it was relevant to my yeah. Message. I want to I talk about that,
0: about that, about that video. So can you dive us in? All right. So for those of you who haven't seen this video, Lewis talks about uh, how the church and Jesus said it was it's better to give than receive, and then you kind of slam Jesus in this video. Did I? <laughs> which I think is amazing. So can you just talk about think- that? well you just talk about how maybe the church was lying to you because they've built these beautiful yeah. cathedrals and their pocketbooks are pretty uh you know heavy
1: well i mean i think they say one thing but they don't do they obviously don't do what they say so i'm right. more interested in what they do than what they say you know and i think they're good on them for what they're doing i think good on them for for building that kind of wealth i think and and if you and if they say if they're getting if someone you know like let's just say you say the church if someone's building enormous wealth and then they're saying it's not good to be wealthy and if you do you're not going to get into the kingdom of heaven and it's like getting the camel through the eye and all that kind of thing and the meek shall inherit the earth a lot of people really are really that's they believe that and a lot of people even they you know they even heard that in childhood and it's there somewhere in their memory and then they go into adulthood and even if they break away from that you know from that those organizations that, sometimes I find that the memory's still there. It's still there somewhere. And they have the belief. It's not, it's not okay to be doing well financially. And it's not okay to stash cash and build wealth. And so that's I mean, what, I mean first and foremost, strategy is is a few points down the line, I usually say. It starts with purpose, like what we talked about before, right. knowing really what you're here to do, what's your mission here on the rock. Then it starts with what are what are the fears, which is what I'm doing now currently in my mastermind, breaking down all the fears. That's the thing that stops people. Fear of failure, fear of looking bad, fear of success—all the fears—and mm-hmm. then when you break them down, then you got to look at all the limiting beliefs. People really believe certain things that they don't even know why they believe it or where they got the belief from, and uh, so you got to clear them away too. And if you don't clear them away, even great strategies can fail. You know, as I, as I you know, as I say, like even if we, even if we cut straight to the chase, forget the strategy. Cut straight to the chase. Let's give you a million, million dollars, like in the in the case of a lottery winner. And what do most of them do? They end up giving it all away, getting rid of it. They don't feel worthy of keeping, keeping this thing. They don't feel worthy of keeping it. They don't study how to manage it, and so they get rid of it. And then they end up depressed, and their their relationships have been tarnished because everyone, you know, wanted their handout, free handouts, and all this thing. And then they have guilt complex. They want to compensate with giving all their money away. So it's a, it's this yeah. So you got to start with the, the those things before even talking about strategy. That's that's mm-hmm. that's probably one of our big point of differences uh, that we teach at IP and what I what I teach my personal stuff.
0: A more of a fucking grounded mindset of like, no, you just don't want to give away your cash and think it's better to give. Uh, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, it's it's equal to it's equal to give. It's kind of ludicrous receive. that I but, you you put this video in plain
0: sight and it's it's quite astonishing that people still buy into oh shit, well, I'm giving my money away, but yet these churches and cathedrals and religions are worth billions
1: of dollars. You know what I say is like, you know, a lot of people have this idea, it's, it's a guilt compensation. Altruism of the future, wanting to give more, is a compensation for thinking you've taken more from people in the past, guilt. And mm-hmm. so the guilt sometimes starts early when we're not make, we're not doing what our parents say, not making them proud, we let down our teachers in our perception, we don't do the right thing by our friends. We have a couple of bad breakups. We get busted for bullying people. All these little guilts, they 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 log, and if you have a net memory of I've oh, I'm a guilty and I've done the bad things to God, the world, family, friends, all the people, I've net guilt, you'll want to compensate by being really altruistic. But I say, like you know, if you walk past a homeless person on the side of the street. And he's there, you know, you know, you see the people that are begging or something, mm-hmm. not doing a service, just begging for cash. If you give them five dollars, the, the benefit is that you know what, they could really maybe take that five dollars, go buy a burger. But the drawback to you doing that is that if they can make twenty, thirty, fifty dollars a day from doing nothing and begging, guess what they're never gonna do? They're not gonna get their shit together. They're not going to go, you know, they're not going to go and clean themselves up and go and get a job and, and, and want to go and serve and make a product and, and, you know, actually do something. So you giving them is helping them maybe right now, true, but in the long run, you're keeping them dependent on these free handouts. Mm-hmm. And so you're doing, you're, you're taking from them at the same time as what you're giving to them. So it's new, yeah, no, it's, no accountability. No accountability. Yeah, every, you can't give without taking. If you give cash for doing zero, then you take, at that same time, you take accountability, responsibility, dignity, and independence. You take their independence away. I see this a lot with, you know, with parents, with, with, with one daughter. We have one in the, in the family here. And one daughter is just, just gets everything, just hand out, just gets it all. But now, of the age 30 years of age, there's been a price to pay for that because she thinks that that's how life works. They're just going to get given everything and rescued all the time. there's a time limit on that. That's going to come, that's going to end up in a big explosion.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Totally agree with you on that. Totally agree. (laughs) All right, Lewis, I know you're a busy man. We're going to wrap this up here. Any last words, any words of wisdom that you would love to uh, share
1: here with the audience? I think the main thing, you know, my, my overriding philosophy is like I said before, empower the soul, empower the senses. If you go and get some strategy, Uh, the latest crypto thing, and you're going to go make a hundred grand here. You're doing Amazon or drop shipping, all this, all this thing. They they all have a role. They all have a purpose and you might get successful, but if you're not fulfilled by the thing, it'll be empty. And like I said before, you'll acclimatize to any lifestyle you get. Mm -hmm. Nothing of the senses will ever satisfy the soul. You'll get used to the Lambo. You will get used to it. It will become the norm, you know? That will become normally acclimatized. So if you're not, if you're successful without fulfilled, it's undercooked. And if you deny your success, how's my hands? The other way. <laughs> if you deny your success, and doing, Australia and America, everything's fucking backwards. <laughs> back to front. Just mirror the edit, and we'll, right. we'll figure it out <laughs> after the fact. You know, if, you, if you're if you just if you're denying your success and you're thinking that it's bad to it's bad to make money and and you and you're not, and you're not striving to go and expand yourself financially. But you, but you think that you're more spiritual and altruistic and giving, and you're, you know, peaceful and 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 and, re- and religious and all this kind of thing, and you think that's more godly. Then you're going to be disempowered, and you're going to need some other person, maybe a child or something, to come and rescue you in old age because you won't have the shit together. So one is un- one's incomplete, one's disempowered. Both of them are not right. You need both if you want to have you really really have a masterful time here. You want, you need both. Find out the purpose clear the fears, dissolve all the limiting, the limiting beliefs and the beliefs that aren't true, and then get on with the mission. That's, the, that's, that's really what my message is. <laughs> okay. Last thing, how do people find you? Uh, my biggest platform, you know, what is Instagram? So Instagram at Lewis Mucker. I don't post so much on my wall, just because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not really the best model. I'm not like, you know, Instagram model worthy or any of that thing. No, but Lewis, story, you're, fucking, you're beautiful. <laughs> thank you my story though man that's where <laughs> i'm at every day every day i try to put some some kind of value on there and uh whether that's a, a teaching in all the different areas of life health wealth wisdom business relationships social leadership spirituality empower mm-hmm. the soul empower the senses it's something what i teach something that i do on there is relating to that and that's what i love to do a lot of free value on that on that story if you want to yeah if
0: you guys if you guys follow this guy i follow him he puts out great content you learn something every day uh very masterful, very articulate and very simplified with what he's trying to teach and be able to help with the world. So uh, definitely give him a follow on that for sure.
1: Perfect, thank you, man. Awesome. Yeah,
0: thanks for being on the show, brother. Great to chat, thanks for having me. Absolutely.